on recording. Do we just don't say anything for three hours? Nothing at all. That would be amazing. Just just for three hours, and at the end, being like, "Well, that was like that was the podcast." Uh... That would be amazing. <laughs> Talk about trolling, <laughs> especially if you had a really long and like large uh, listener base for a podcast and you did it at like episode like 55 like randomly <laughs> we could always just brick roll people right in the middle that's true never too. gonna give you up never gonna let you down I should have that recording on standby so we can do that <laughs> that would be a funny gag <laughs> it really would be just splice it in. We'll just say Q, and then I'll cut to it. <laughs> okay, well, this is episode five of FGG, fucking great games. Uh, today, I'm joined by my my lovely co-host again. I'm not by myself. Yeah, he didn't invite uh, me for the last one. I'm alone. I did. <laughs> I did invite you. We what? were busy. Where, where, was, where was the invite? Did you did you send it in the mail? I didn't get a card that's saying, "Hey, John, would you like to come to my podcast?" <laughs> what happens if you got like a postcard like three days from now? I was like, I, it's COVID, man. I don't know. <laughs> I sent I sent that like February twentieth. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what I would think. <laughs> and it was like postdated correctly. <laughs> They're like, what the hell? <laughs> It's like, well, this is a new thing. <laughs> so last episode, I did a rundown of the E-Series, and today we're going to be talking about uh, Half-Life. So we're going to be talking about the series as a whole, but the bulk of the episode is actually going to be about Half-Life Alex because John's yeah. had some awesome gaminess with it and has had the chance to experience it and play quite a bit of it. And I've seen uh, quite a bit of his streams, too. He's been streaming to our Discord and it looks cool. And I had to take a refresher anyways on Half-Life because I did not remember very much of it from the orange box. So, But that's today's episode for our monthly three-hour-long nostalgia game-fueled podcast. Some of the early ones are really random. I love listening to those back sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I sound pretty interesting in those. It was it was interesting coming up with titles for those because <laughs> it was like I was trying to hit like what we covered or talked about. And thank God there's kind of a catch-all with like nostalgia or pop culture because otherwise it really wouldn't make sense. Like if we were like we're specifically only going to talk about um, PC VR games, <laughs> and then you went back and listened to those and be like, what happened here? <laughs> what? What did we do? <laughs> yeah, this has nothing to do about VR games. I don't understand. <laughs> so, what it what it was like your first experience with Half Life? Do you remember? Uh, well, I actually played the first Half Life way, way, way back when that first came out, and then uh, I was I liked it. I enjoyed it. It's been quite a long time since I've played any of them, other than uh, you know Half Life Alex. Yeah. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I don't remember too too much about those games. Yeah, I I definitely but, didn't. 
like I went back to the orange box like the last couple days and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot most of this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because the original came out in like 1998 and I played that as well in my, my brief stint of PC gaming. Uh, I, I vividly remember playing the like now famous demo for it. And then I played through the whole thing, but only once, and then same same deal back in 1998. <laughs> so a while ago. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, that, I I I I enjoyed them quite a bit, but I like I said, I don't remember too much about them. It's. Uh... I was excited for Half Life Alex when it was announced, but I was also very skeptical. Because uh, before before Half Life Alex, the only games I really cared for uh, were um, Beat Saber, and well, I have like three hundred hours on that game. And yeah, uh, it's a good game though. Yeah, I have more time on that game than I do Fire Emblem. That's surprising, to be honest. <laughs> and then, uh, um, uh, Robo Recall. Yeah, it seems like a lot of um, VR games on the whole, and, we, and you and I have talked about this, but like are more more like experiences or almost like tech demos, like look what it can do, but not and really full-fledged experiences. Like, um, you know, think of any big AAA title for either PC or console where you're like, oh, I can play this like start to finish and there's a story and there's gameplay mechanics and you know, yada, 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 fleshed out experience and full right. game. Like doesn't seem to really exist. No, a whole they, lot. They, they really did. They really like most most games really are a tech demo. Even even games like Beat Saber. Beat Saber is you don't do much in that game. Yeah, it just you has know, a compelling you, gameplay loop. Exactly. And same with uh, Robo Recall. Although it's a little more complex than Beat Saber, it's more of a look. You can grab things. You can rip them apart. You can catch bullets in midair. Throw them back. Oh, I lied. There's a third game that I like. Uh, Super Hot for VR. It's Super Hot, I've heard great things about. That that game's great both in and out of VR, but it is it is a lot of fun in VR as well. Yeah, that's one I because I, I definitely want to invest in a because I'm primarily in the PlayStation or Sony ecosystem. I do want to get a a PS VR, even though it's considered like a, yeah, it's a budget VR is kind of what it comes down to, but. Uh, Super Hot is one I want to play on that, and it's available for me to play. Yep, no Half-Life Alex for you. No, unfortunately <laughs> not. That makes sense, though. I actually, I didn't realize this, so I did a little bit of research on just half the Half-Life franchise in general mm -hmm. um, to kind of fill in my gaps, because it had been so many years since I played a Half-Life. Um, I didn't realize their main publisher was Sierra for years. And they actually had like a pretty bad falling out with Sierra when they launched um, Half-Life 2 uh, along with Steam. All the way back in 2004. Right. And I, I didn't realize that they, they were, that had created a rift or bad blood and then I mean it makes sense why they didn't need a publisher anymore because they created their own platform. Right. <laughs> But I had no idea because you and I have talked about Sierra quite a bit, especially in like the the old school FMV uh, PC games and 
you know, that genre, a lot of them were published by Sierra. Which I kind of wonder what they're up to nowadays. Well, their parent company has merged with Activision. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know two, that. Yeah, they merged into it, the companies of Vivendi Games. They uh, merged in 2008. So, I had no idea. So, as far as far as I know, the name Sierra is probably uh, uh, just gone. Now. Yeah. Not not as we knew it. Exactly. Um, it was that the brand name was kind of revived because there's been a lot of re-releases with Activision, a lot of Sierra Sierra game re-releases since like it was like 2014. And do they keep the like the OG like Sierra logo and stuff on it? I don't know. To be perfectly honest, I, I'm wondering if they. I mean, they own it outright, so they wouldn't have to. But mm-hmm. I wonder um, if they kind of use that to spark some nostalgia. Because I, I remember that logo pretty vividly. It was a very prominent splash screen for was, a ton of games. It was on everything. It was on everything, yeah. At least, you know, everything in my childhood, because half the games I played for PC were Sierra. Yeah, same here. I Like I said, I remember it vividly. And the, the, I mean, we're looking at 20 plus years ago. Who would have thought, like, you know, point-and-click games would uh, move from computer to your phone? Oh, I know, yeah. Because we kind of had a conversation on the Discord today, actually, about that. Because you were talking about Star Wars The Old Republic runs runs better on your cell phone than it did uh, originally. Yeah, that tells you how good that game was. Because that that game is so beloved. Yeah, even by me. Yeah. Um, But, man, it ran... It ran like ass on the original Xbox, which is what I originally played it on. It yeah. ran like ass on computer. <laughs> and I know I'm not alone in this because I've talked to several other people about it. It's like, wow, we were so forgiving of that game. If that, if uh, something like that was released today, um, man, that that game would have been would have been review bombed on Steam. You know, it would have. Oh been, yeah, it would have been Fallout seventy six. <laughs> yeah, it would have been Fallout seventy six. That game was so jittery. It was, uh, it was glitchy as all hell. And I get on my phone thinking, "Oh, this is gonna be quite the experience." I'm like, "Huh, it's actually pretty smooth." <laughs> it runs better. Yeah, and as far as like cell phone game ports, in my opinion, point click games work really well for it. Um, I think we were what specifically talking about ports of like Resident Evil two and three, the originals, not the remakes, of course. Uh, on a cell phone, they I are kind of tanky and slow. But I, I personally would not like to have those games on a cell phone. <laughs> it just seems like it would just automatically be the lesser version. So why play it? Yeah, I can't can't say I blame you there. Yeah, and that's just my opinion. I mean, I'm sure there are some clever programmers and designers out there that can get something to work where it would feel decent, but... Well, I mean, there there are plenty of emulators out there for, for just anything. True. Well, you can you can emulate Windows 98 on your, uh, on your Mac if you really wanted to. Oh, yeah. It's crazy now that we're far enough along in like the software set 
you know, even mean hardware from the equation where it's like you have to run legacy builds to play some of these old PC games or find an obscure copy that was published on a console. Yeah, I have a Windows 95 computer. I used to play MechWarrior 2. See, and that makes sense. Yeah, to have a designated build for stuff like that. I've I've actually considered doing that myself, you know, because mm-hmm. when I when I PC gamed, it was in the late 90s. And so all of my memories of PC games that I really enjoyed that added to the type of gamer I am now are from that era. <laughs> so I would probably have a, a designated build just for that. Although a lot of the uh, like FMB games and stuff you can find on consoles. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff's getting remade. I was surprised to see Day of the Tentacle get remade. There are some like, weird yeah. ones nowadays where, like, I'll see stuff come up and I'm like, "Really?" It's like I feel like we're kind of digging at the bottom. <laughs> Whether yeah. I liked it or not doesn't mean much. It's just like that's an obscure game. We're remaking that, really? Well, the. Uh... You know, as we've mentioned uh, before, the fact that uh, uh, Fire Emblem uh, Three Houses was uh, nominated for for Game of the Year is uh, that's telling. Yeah, that tells you how many how many uh, good games were made. I mean, I don't get me wrong; I love Fire Emblem Three Houses. I have over three hundred hours on it. Yeah, Three Houses Fire is Emblem. amazing. Yeah, and it definitely is. You know, kind of the it is the Probably the best Fire Emblem out. You know, I've played, I've played all, even uh, you know, translated versions of the NES and Super Nintendo ones. But, but it uh, is very niche. It is. It's a very niche series, and to see it hit Game of the Year, I, I find it hard to believe that that is Game of the Year material, just because of how niche it is. Yeah, and it, and it, it was only on the Switch. Relative. It was only on the Switch as well. True, yeah. So then you got to think about just sheer numbers, just math. You know, mm-hmm. how many people were available to even play it. Right. <laughs> Compared yeah. to the PC market or PS4 or Xbox One or all there above. Now, that being said, because it, you know, was nominated uh, this, you know, this last uh, year, uh, I would not be surprised if future Fire Emblems get nominated. Because yeah, it's gotten it, far more exposure overall. I definitely picture it being one of those series now where, and I've seen it in the last few years with more niche series, but as like people kind of, we have a lull in a year, and so gamers want to be satiated, so they expand into some of the niche franchises that have been around for decades. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, it almost gets a boost in popularity. And then, yeah, seeing it on screen during the VGAs, I'm sure is going to be there's I'm I'm sure there's plenty of gamers who watched that or saw it after the fact who were like what is that you know and maybe looked at it and like oh I like RPGs like I might like that or I like you know Sims like I'll or, I'll check that out or I have a Switch maybe I should get that yeah I'm not playing any anything now like I, there hasn't been anything new that's come out that I've really been interested in but if it was nominated it must be good whether you've heard of it or not, kind of a thing. Last year was a really slow year. I remember doing the wrap-up podcast for the year with Ariel for Rage Quit, and yeah, we, I mean, we really, like, beat 
<laughs> that horse to death. Because <laughs> everyone was saying like how great of a year it was, and you agreed, but it was like it's been a slow year. There hasn't been that many. Like 2019 was not a dud per se. There was good titles in there, but not as like verbose as other years have been. But you know what? I like that. Uh, oh yeah, think, it gave me time to catch get... up on stuff, so I was down for that. I think we get oversaturated with uh, good games or games we think are going to be good, you know? True. So, I mean, there there are so many the tr- so many AAA games that get released that are just not very good. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do actually like the gameplay of Anthem, but Anthem overall is kind of a terrible game. There's nothing to do in it, and uh, it's it's very, I think shallow would be the right word. It's very yeah. pretty, and there's just not much love put into it, which if you look at the development history, makes perfect sense. And for me, like that game is Fallout 76. I, I adore that game. I personally love it to death and play it a lot. It was actually my most played game last year. Like I had like 150 hours in it, 160 hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it was super content light. Uh, it had a Really, I played it for like first couple months it released, and then even I kind of got like bored of it, didn't play it for months, and waited for content drops, and finally I like, got back to it. And now Wastelanders is out, but we, I mean, we're looking at like what two years down the line <laughs> that game's been out, but it's finally making headway in the right direction. And that well, was talked about in ad nauseum so much because there really wasn't anything else like coming out last year and then the year before it was kind of lost in the shuffle because there were so many good things coming out it's like it suffered from both cons of a light year and a heavy year but you know it can they can still they can still come back i mean look at uh final fantasy 14 on release that game was uh not very well received at all it was uh very very much hated and that i don't remember how long uh 14 was out before uh it came out with the Realm Reborn, which was pretty much just rebuilding the game, and now it's—I think it's the second most popular uh, MMO. Yeah, I actually brought up stats and was looking up that the other day because I just downloaded it so I could play with you. I know and we played it, so much together. I know we haven't even played it yet. Wait, and I my like free month is almost up, so I gotta make sure and uh, subscribe. Um, let's see. Let's look at yeah. The initial release was in 2010. That is insane. And then uh, 2013, it was released worldwide for Windows, PS3, in August 2013, with versions of the PS4, Mac OS releasing later. And then an Xbox One version was scheduled to be released. Yeah, the game the game closed uh, November eleventh, two thousand twelve, and then uh, especially kind of, uh, Fallout's kind of following the same track then because a lot of articles I've read about Wastelanders compare it to Final Fantasy fourteen or Realm Reborn, and time wise, yeah. that's about the same too actually. And I think it's the third most played MMO right now. Fourteen is. Is it? What's number two? Um, Elder Scrolls. Really? Elder Scrolls uh, got up there, huh? Elder Scrolls Online is like a quiet powerhouse in the background. I don't see a lot about it either, but there is a large, like, diligent fan base for it, for sure. There was some uh, press conference I watched where 
Bethesda was showing off some new DLC for Elder Scrolls Online, and it was like watched videos on like YouTube, and it had like one of the most amount of comments, <clears throat> which I that surprised me too because I played a little bit of ESO, but I was certain that Final Force. Final Fantasy fourteen would beat it out. So I played MMOs. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for right now. I want something like more current. Tabo's played MMOs in 2012. Oh, it's a video. Don't yeah, do that. There's, there's some of that. My, my, my audio. <laughs> <laughs> Cut in randomly. This looks like an R. Most played MMOs 2020. It's a video. I don't want videos. Give me text. <laughs> Not right now, at least. I don't care about top free MMOs. I want all MMOs. Yeah, I was like, I don't care if they're paid or free. I just want a list. So, Okay, so number one, World of Warcraft, which Are John really and I surprised? didn't explicitly say, but that's we knew what number one was. Oh no, this is two Final Fantasy fourteen. It says six hundred and forty thousand monthly players. Um yes. is e e ESO behind that then? Three yep. What does that have? Five hundred thousand monthly active players. So I must have been looking at an article where it looks like they're kind of jockeying back and forth. They're very close. And then you go to World of Warcraft, and it's 1.7 million to 3.4 million subscribed players. Yeah, there's, there's no one, there's no one uh, catching up to them. No, it's just amazing though, because you look, it's like okay, Final Fantasy fifteen solidly at number two. Um, so I stand corrected. Uh, ESO five hundred thousand though, so they're you know one hundred forty thousand monthly players apart for active users, and then you could jump up to minimum. We'll go low end of the spectrum. Wow, seven million, <laughs> double the size of Final Fantasy fifteen. That's amazing. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, one point seven to three point four million subscribed players. Yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen has a six hundred forty. Like I found the same article. <laughs> I think so. Five hundred thousand. <clears throat> yeah, I was trying to find one that was like timely. I want something in twenty twenty. <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's crazy to see how MMOs or even just games as a service can do that, where they can nowadays can come back from death. Like they can be horribly slammed. Whether it's been like a huge blockbuster year for gaming or a year. Like last year, which was kind of a dud overall, and so kind of got the poor shake of things as far as the news cycle is concerned. But they still have like ample opportunity to kind of come back. Well, and, apparently, and Anthem has the same possibility too. Yeah, apparently, RuneScape's still uh, up there too. It's number five. I saw that. Yeah, that's another one that's kind of like a sleeper, like kind of quietly chugging in the background, and it's been around forever. Yeah, I remember playing that in middle school. I we, played a little had, bit uh, of it. Yeah, we would run. We would run the. Um, uh, God, I can't remember what what they they were fucking called. Uh, the the websites to get around the school security. 
I can't think of what they're oh, called. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Laxable or whatever on the browser. A proxy. You, and, uh, yeah, there was a specific oh. like handful of websites, though, that you could use to do that. And then you could also use the workaround with this, the old school zip drives. Yeah, it, it, I used, uh, at the time, it was Bulldog was the one that one that we used and I remember uh, that, that, that was that was what I used to go and play uh to go and play RuneScape. That's awesome. I forgot about that. Yeah, we used to do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Black Desert Online, God. I'm tired of hearing about that one to be honest. That's not very good. I played like 15 minutes of it, and I'm like, I don't like this. I'd rather play Never Neverwinter, which I don't think is very good either, and it's free to play. But Guild Wars 2 is still up there. I'm sure you saw that. I did, yeah. Was that the yeah, never, number 10 Neverwinter. No, Neverwinter is number 10. Uh, no, oh, Guild Wars 2 was number 3. Or number 4, excuse me. Right behind DSO. Yeah, right behind DSO. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's enough of looking at those. The only games in there that the only games in there I play are Final Fantasy fourteen and uh, uh, the Old Republic. Yeah, and for me, it's Final Fantasy fourteen now. I've, I've pretty much just started it, and um, I played played and streamed quite a bit of. Elder Scrolls Online when I first started streaming. I played a little bit of that. I pretty much got into it as soon as the Morrowind expansion came out. That was yeah, one, of, one of the reasons I wanted to play it. And that was around when I was playing it, too. I didn't That's get very funny. far. Though. I only got up to, like, level 30 or something like that and then just stopped. I enjoy it. it is, it's more similar to the Scrolls franchise than people want to believe, but it's for me, it's the scope. It is so like I have sometimes with that with MMO in general, but the the size, especially if they're long running, is so gigantic. Like, where do I start? What do I want to do? I don't know. Well, and that's uh, this actually brings me to something I don't like about Final Fantasy fourteen. Obviously, you know, it, I've logged a lot of hours onto that game. Yeah. More so than probably any other game I've ever played. Fair enough. But, uh, um, I used to play Final Fantasy XI, which you know, I know you played for a little while. Yeah. There were things that frustrated with me about that game, but the one thing I liked about XI was uh, when I could go places, I felt like I was exploring, you know, this world. You know, you, yeah. you don't, you know, you'd wander into a dungeon, you'd wander into a new area. Sometimes things were too strong for you. You know, that stuff happens. In Final Fantasy XIV, um, when you go into jun- dungeons, you queue up for them. You know, kind of like you would uh, like you would queue up for a game of Call of Duty. Okay. And, and that's, it was great and all. It, makes, it definitely makes leveling easier, and I like it for that. But I don't feel like I explore in Final Fantasy XIV. And that I sense kinda, of exploration is is a main kind of tenant to games like that. Yeah. But that being said, obviously I still really like the game. The story is to me very good. Even uh the realm the realm reborn stuff, which you know a lot of people find to be pretty cringy, you know, 
at the very beginning, but I still like it. I just think it's campy, and I like campy. Yeah, and for me, I've play. I've started playing the beginning of it, and I can see how people could find it kind of kitschy, but I find it like almost like a homage to like older Final Fantasies, older RPGs, because they by nature were just they were campy, and so it's like a good, it's a good like gateway in for me, and so right. I enjoy, I enjoy, like I enjoy the dialogue, I enjoy the story beat so far, like. One of the things I was reading about it, there's plenty of like starter guides online by journalists about Final Fantasy fourteen. You know, somebody on staff, you know, loves the game and has played it since the beginning, so they write a starter guide for people who are new, like myself. <laughs> and I was just kind of browsing through them because, like, I get most of my information from you about Final Fantasy fourteen, and you and I align on games for the most part. So it's like, <laughs> I was just curious kind of thing. And a lot of people were like, one of the things that's going to dissuade you or might dissuade you from Final Fantasy fourteen is it's slow. Like, it's slow in the beginning. And I'm like, I actually kind of like it, the change of pace, you know, going from, like, being very fast-paced to a slower game that I can just sink, you know, tens of hours into to get where I need to go, but I can chip away at it over time. And see, I think it's funny that people say it's slow, because uh, you know, I played Final Fantasy eleven. I played a little bit of World of Warcraft, and I thought... I thought those were gruelingly slow uh, starting out, whereas Final Fantasy fourteen, I, you know, before I knew it, I was uh, in the post game stuff for the uh, for the original content, not you know the expansion, not the DLC. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like I'm making progress. Like I hop on occasionally, and we'll spend like an hour or two, and like I'm leveling up consistently. I'm doing things consistently. I'm like talking to people, different people quest givers and stuff consistently i'm getting new items or equipment whether i'm buying them or finding them or learning more about the game and the like i don't feel like unsatisfied at all well and getting into end game content isn't very hard either the hardest thing about end game content is the people who are who you're running end game content with like they, they, they have things called statics which are just um what People will get together for for doing the high level raids and trials and whatnot, and they they schedule you know a day out of out of uh, each week to go and do this from this time to that time, and that's fine and all, but man, those people are way too serious about the game. They treat the game like a job, not a game. It's yeah, really frustrating. You know, they 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 use parsers, you know, third party parsers to see how much damage you're dealing and all that fun stuff. Doesn't matter what class you are, if you're not quite meeting their their uh, um, standards for damage output, you're cut. You know, I was like, God damn! Wow. Oh yeah, yeah they, and they I, get, I don't play crazy. games like that. Yeah, I. That's one thing I think we've lost in recent years, probably just as the industry has gotten older and now we have very active multiple generations of gamers at the same time. Um, there are a lot of gamers that like treat it that way. But for me, it, it's like, <laughs> I wanted to slide back just like a skosh and be more focused on, is this game fun? Like, and I want a fun experience because it is a game, like you're playing 
and sometimes they get too serious and that is a very serious kind of tact like you said treat it like a job and it's like okay well we all have jobs like i don't, I don't want to play this i play, I play games to not and think treat about it as my a job, job. <laughs> yeah that's what i mean it's the form of escapism and entertainment and is a part of pop culture and i don't i don't want to worry in ad nauseum about my player character stats and if i'm going to be included in this raid or not because someone is observing me like i don't know that's that's a little intense for my liking and that's that's also why i tend to play a lot of single player games as well same uh, here because I, yeah. I don't want to deal with that you know games like half-life alex for example <laughs> yeah it did come full circle <laughs> right well, it's a long format podcast, so it's like, and I'm taking timestamps, so. Oh, you're 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 good. Oh, I'm not complaining. Yeah, <laughs> Half Life Alex. Uh, I actually only have 17 hours on that game. Oh, I, I think you on, had, uh, had more. You played quite a bit of it, from what well, I've, I've been, seen at least. I've been playing it slowly, so I do. Been, I, I will usually do like uh, a chapter and then get off and things like that. Like I'm on chapter. Uh, I'm on chapter nine right now. That's funny because I'm playing right now Final Fantasy VII Remake the exact same way. Like I kind of want to savor it, and I don't <laughs> want to blitz, blitz through it because I am enjoying myself so much that I'm on chapter eight. I think there's eighteen chapters, and I've had it. I got it. It was like April fourteenth, and there's other games that of, of that length or ilk that I would just blitz through. But I'm like, I want to savor this, so I've been intermixing other games. <laughs> so I definitely understand that kind of tact. I do the same thing if if I find it to be a particular gem of a title, right? And it's the, I do have like my uh, complaints about the game. The main one being Half Life Alex is not a difficult game. Not Can you scale all. the difficulty at all? Or yeah, I'm on the hardest difficulty. <laughs> oh, okay, is, but is... but there's nothing beyond that kind of a thing. No, no. It's it's just it's not a very difficult game, and I get why it's not. But I do wish it I wish it was a uh, a little more so. Like maybe uh, like maybe make uh, some some of the more basic enemies more aggressive. It's like yeah. you have the the dudes that have the head crabs, you know, attached to them. They're very slow moving, and I I bet you if there were a room of twelve of them, I could dispatch them pretty. Pretty easily, assuming I have the ammo. <laughs> yeah, know. that makes sense. There, there does seem to be some kind of survival aspects to it, from what I there seen. are. There are. Like I was just getting through an area where I was, I was run, I was very low on ammo. I'd run out of, I had gotten really low on my shotgun ammo. Um, my SMG was, I only had one clip left and only four shots left in the pistol, and there were yeah. still six enemies left and so you know Damn. i had to use I had to use things like the explosive barrels and stuff like that to take care of oh i did have two grenades which by the way it took me halfway through the game to figure out that i can store because you, you store items in your wrist yeah i, I can store them in both wrists I, I did not know that so you know, I've been going through most of the game, like having like a second grenade and holding the grenade. Like, That's the whole time. hilarious. So yeah, now, no, I, I've seen you do that during your streams because we've obviously with COVID nineteen, uh, John and I have been hanging out via Discord 
<laughs> we'll talk on there and he'll be, you know, half life or beat saber or something. But yeah, you've been holding one grenade. So you so you had no idea until recently that you could store in either wrist. Yeah. Yeah, That's I can crazy. store I can both wrists. So That's now funny. now I store two grenades and hold a third one. Yeah, we just see yeah, it's funny because you already had like a system in place to kind of get around that, so now you're still using it. <laughs> exactly. Or I'll carry the life around, which I don't care about having the life, uh, which is the little syringe. Because, but you can't uh, explode enemies. That's disappointing. Yeah, like you can explode them when they're already attached to the enemy, but you can't attach it to an enemy and try and explode them. Like I, I if I could do that, I would use them. Like well, yeah, because I mean, and you think too with just the <clears throat> the tactile and like very visual nature of Half Life Alex, and then you see that in the game that you would be able to do that, like lunge an enemy, stab it into them, and then shoot it. And another another complaint that I have, like you, you played Half Life One and Two recently, right? I um I didn't play the first one recently, but I did Half Life Two and Half Life Two Episode One and Episode Two. Those are the okay. ones I played recently. Okay, well, in in those, you know, uh, Gordon Freeman, he's got his crowbar and he's beating the shit out of things with his crowbar. And, yeah, and that that's kind of that's his thing. There is no melee combat in Half Life Alex Zero, which is like super iconic because I. I'm familiar with Half-Life 2 a degree, but not very much. But one of my favorite franchises of all time is Bioshock, mm-hmm. which also became known with having a wrench. And it was a homage to Half-Life. Like, <laughs> it just was. You know, right. it's right. like they weren't pioneering anything. They were just paying homage to one of the greats because as far as, like, storytelling beats and even the aesthetics of, like, the settings are uh, very similar. And how they mm-hmm. storytell, I should say. <laughs> but that's surprising that Half-Life Alex doesn't allow you to melee, because that's something else that would fit into VR pretty well, too. Yeah. And there are there are also some, like, there, there's obviously a horror aspect to the game, which I I, re- I, pretty, I enjoy quite a bit. I've, uh, you know, I've almost pissed myself a couple times, I'm not gonna lie. It's <laughs> cool to watch as a spectator, too, because it is legitimately scary. But, but there is one point which I didn't show you this part. I played this. I was playing this part yesterday. Um, there's pretty much an invincible enemy that you run into, and you're supposed to avoid them. Okay. And, I, and that's and that's a great that that part's great. That's not an issue. Uh, the issue is the the lighthearted nature in which you deal with this enemy. And what I mean by that is this this enemy has a name, and his name is Jeff. Oh my God, Jeff! Jeff was in Doom Eternal. That was when Ariel and I monikered the um, summoning demons. It it was Jeff, and they're they're a bitch. They're super powerful and practically invincible as well. And I remember it's like, what the hell is this demon? Because I had never seen him before. And Ariel's like, we shall name him Jeff. (laughs) Well, that's well, that's this thing's in-game name. Like you, you run into yeah, this guy. Yeah, he's actually Jeff. Yeah, he's not Jeff in Doom Eternal. But <laughs> in fact, I have an achievement. It's called Flat Note, and it's called Kill. And it's uh, the requirement is kill Jeff. Just which, kill Jeff. Uh, which you do, which you do to kill him is you, so that he can't see. Jeff can't see. He can only hear. Okay. And so you find him in a uh, 
you find him in a distillery for vodka. Oh. And and so there's a, someone you run into, and he, he's like, oh, there he is. Like, oh, is that Jeff? Like, yeah, that's Jeff. But here, watch this. And he drops. That's Jeff. Drops, <laughs> yep, that's Jeff. And so he drops a, a bottle of vodka, and Jeff, you know, runs angrily towards the vodka. Yeah. Um, and so you, that's how, you know, you learn that mechanic. You throw the bottles of vodka. Which and, is funny, because uh, that reminds me of, of Last of Us, the clickers. Because the clickers are blind, but they can hear exceedingly well, and you throw bottles. Yeah. And there's all, he also has another thing, too. So there's he, he spews out this gas. And so if you get close to him, your character coughs. And so he hears the cough and tries to kill you. Oh, okay. But you remember when I was fooling around with the like little gas mask that you could put on your face? Yeah. So those work there. Oh, that's nifty. Yeah, that's nifty. But, but yeah, you end up so when you go in it, when you end up killing Jeff, uh, you you throw a bottle into a trash compactor, and then you close them in the compactor and just crush them in there. Oh, that seems very anticlimactic. It it was it was uh it was pretty funny though. Uh, the guy who was telling you about Jeff. He's like, what the hell did you do to Jeff? <laughs> he's like, he like sympathizes with him or empathizes with him. <laughs> he's got he's some just, compassion. I think, I think he, I think he was just surprised, but I have a feeling Jeff was a friend or something. I don't know. Yeah, never, he, he had been never, around Jeff for so long. Right. Him and Jeff are buddies. Even though Jeff, Jeff is like spewing toxic gas and trying to kill you. <laughs> But something that was essentially supposed to be a, a very much a horror aspect of the game ended up feeling... Uh, it was a punchline. Yeah, feeling more like a punchline than anything else. It was still, you know... A you cool know, you sequence, have, yeah. It was a very cool sequence. You had to hide everything. You had to throw <laughs> bottles. There was a point I where still can't get to... over Jeff as the name. <laughs> Just, yeah. Especially having an actual like monster... <laughs> or like horrifying creature and in game his name is Jeff. Like I can't get over that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, here's a here's another achievement. It's called Hold Your Liquor. And it's catch a bottle falling out of a cupboard before it breaks and alerts Jeff. Did you do that one? I did. Nice. That's awesome. But you know, these are these are kind of minor minor complaints. I wish that that sequence was a little less less lighthearted, but at the same time, the lightheartedness of this game is kind of its charm. Like you saw the part where uh, where you first start walking, your character first starts walking in the dark, and Alex is you know asking uh, asking Russell to just talk about anything, and he starts talking about how uh, she's right to be afraid of the dark. <laughs> Yeah, and, and why? Yeah, like humans are afraid of the dark, right? And she's like, <laughs> I Russell is really good, like, like comic relief. Oh yeah, and I really love the Vortigods, uh, or however you pronounce them, those alien things. Oh yeah, <laughs> that one that like helps you and like saves Alex's father. Like, I'll I... put a spoiler tag in here, but uh, yeah, that 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 part was really funny too. <laughs> I, I have brain damage. Oh, yeah, when brain. they first talk. 
Yeah, and then you uh, you start trying to talk. He's like, my brain is damaged. Yeah, he gets like aggressive about it, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like I get it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you already said it. We're good. <laughs> and then of course, all, all those aliens have the same voice, apparently. So that's a thing. which is funny because when I was I when I played Half Life Two, um, it's still the same voice, which I thought was great. <laughs> and again, I noticed a lot more of the oddball kind of humor. Two in Half Life Two, and then I didn't realize because I didn't remember that Alex Vance is in those ones. <laughs> She's in Episode One, Two, and Half Life Two itself. <laughs> and they actually mentioned Gordon Freeman in uh, Half Life Alex as well, and it's it's actually really really funny because they find out that he's still alive because this takes place between uh, one and two, but they find out that Gordon Freeman's still alive and uh, Combine have him. Uh, and so now your now your mission's gone too well. We gotta save him, and then yeah, like he's already he single handedly saved humanity once. Like now he won't have to be alone, type of deal. And uh, she she's she ends up uh, asking Russell, it's like, what's with the crowbar?" <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, amazing. you mean he's like you mean Gordon Freeman's crowbar? He he uh, broke he." Broke out of the Black Mesa incident with the crowbar, with only using the crowbar. She's like, wait, is that true? And he's like, it's true, that's what people say. <laughs> so, Russell's great. Yeah. Excellent written dialogue, too. It really is. Not, I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I noticed uh, like that kind of humor bleeding in, or from, rather, like Half-Life 2. Like I like in the very beginning of Half Life Two, um, you're on a train and then it like stops and stuff, and you have to go through these checkpoints, and it's very much world building. You can't really interact or do with much, but you get to this guard, and he tells you to like pick up this can and put it in the trash can, and it's like right in the beginning. But so I picked up the can. I was like, well, fuck you, and I and it tells you how to throw. So I threw it at the guy's head. As soon as I did it, the electric baton comes out. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> okay. Didn't expect you to react that way. I mean, I did hit you in the face with a can, but this game's like 15 years old. So, my bad. So, and he calms down, though. He doesn't kill you. And then I picked up the can and I put it in the trash can. But then every time I would walk close to that guy, I, the baton would come out and he would just look at you. He didn't say anything. He just stared at you. Well, it's, fun. it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, except the beginning of Half-Life Alex when you're you know, kind of walking through, and you're essentially trying to reach your reach your dad at your guy's home, and the combine are arresting him. And, yeah. and so, you know, you're standing there with your, you can put your hands up and whatnot. Um, I'm going up to that combine that's pointing his gun at me, and I'm touching him with the gun. And he just pulls his gun away, and that's it. And I'm like, I would, God, if I were that guy, I would just shot me right there. Well, yeah, like when I threw the can at the dude's head, I thought, I didn't expect him to do anything, but as soon as the electric baton came out, I was like, oh, he's, I'm dead. He's just gonna, like, electric the shit out of me, and it's gonna fade to black. I'm gonna, like, black out or something, and it's just gonna respawn. But no, he just, like, put it away, and if you put it in the can, he lets you buy. I'm like, oh, okay, I'd be pissed. I'd be electrocuting that dude. Right? <laughs> Fucking threw a can at my head. Fuck you. Like, hey, that's considered assault if you do that to a police officer. 
Oh, he was already being an oppressive asshole, though, because he was like, there's all this trash everywhere, and he points to a can. He's like, pick that up and throw it away. I'm like, what? Why don't you pick it up and throw it away? You've been standing here for fucking 12 hours or whatever. There's all this trash. You could have been done with this by now. His hands are full. <laughs> a ton. I get, it only takes one hand. <laughs> He's got another one free. <laughs> and the other one's playing with his dick. Probably. <laughs> I'm looking at all of these achievements now. Yeah, I was going through and looking at some of the uh, achievements for the Half Life episodes because I did I did finish it, but I didn't do everything in it. Definitely enjoyable uh, though. If people have the orange box and can't play Half Life Alex, I do recommend going back to it. It holds up. Yeah, Half Life Alex is just it's, it is a lot of fun. Oh, there's there's an achievement for smashing fifty glass bottles. Oh, and that's funny. I'm like during the, away the vodka section. Just in general. I'm too away from it. Oh, that's close. <laughs> there's you... one with interacting the playground. Oh, that's funny. Test your grip on a head crab heart. You like grab one? Can I? You like squeeze I... it? I wanna do that. I totally oh, yeah. want to do that. I know what we're doing after the podcast. Fucking <laughs> gonna, But I have to find one of them. Yeah, I don't know about that part. I want to see it, though. Yes, well, we'll have to try. Oh, when you can... Well, one thing that's really fun to do is when you're in a firefight and they're throwing grenades at you, so you have your gravity gloves, and you can actually use the gravity gloves to snatch a grenade in midair and throw it back. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Hot potato. Right? And if one, of course, if it lands next to you, you can pick it up and throw it back as well. Nice. That's kind of a cool gameplay feature because they have that in a lot of, like, modern first-person shooters where you can, like, toss a grenade back. Hmm. But more, probably, I would imagine more fun in VR because you're, like, physically doing it. Well, that, that brings me to another thing I like about the game is uh, I like being able to physically loot around and grab things. So, like, if I'm looting a corpse, I turn the corpse, I physically turn the corpse around to try and see if they have any ammo attached to them or anything like that. Well, like, the other evening when you were playing, you had to physically crouch, right? When you yeah. were being, like, you had, like, swarms of enemies coming on you that were intelligent. Obviously, they're shooting at you and throwing grenades and stuff. But you had to, like, crouch for cover, didn't you? Yep, I crouched, and I would <laughs> physically duck out and shoot, physically duck back. And... See, that's cool. Yeah, that's, that was... that's really immersion right there. It's a lot of, it is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd have blast with that too, like physically making those motions. It's so different from, you know, using a controller or, you know, any other kind of input. Yeah, you don't use a controller, you use two controllers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's funny when you were talking about how you could store stuff in your other wrist mm-hmm. and you didn't know, and so you've played, you know, through 11 chapters or whatever <laughs> without knowing that. Um, <clears throat> to space out my uh, playtime for Final Fantasy VII Remake, I went back to Final Fantasy XIII and I've been trying to get a platinum in that. Well, I started, like, an old save where I was, like, halfway through it. Um, like in, case, in case anyone, in case anyone's wondering why he's playing Final Fantasy Thirteen, because he obviously has no taste. 
Oh. <laughs> that game holds up better than I think you remember, actually. I just didn't. I didn't like the game to begin with, but that's, you know. It's it's not my favorite, but it's not even my top five by any means. And of that trilogy, 13-2 I think is the best, but Lightning Returns is my personal favorite. I love Lightning Returns. That one is bad, too, but I absolutely love it. It's like it I'm, is bad. I'm I think thirteen two. Yeah, exactly. Thirteen two is the only one that's like a decent overall package. Like the story's good, the gameplay's good, characters are good. That you was, know, it has it has its flaws as well, but it's the most decent of that trilogy. I was definitely surprised with thirteen two because with how much I dislike thirteen, which I did finish the game, so clearly I didn't like it that dislike it that yeah. much. But uh, but with how much I did dislike that game. I was expecting thirteen two just be absolute just absolute garbage, kind of like uh going from ten to ten two but ten two I did like the mechanics of that game, yeah, the gameplay mechanics are good, the story it's like a wash, the story's in, yeah, and that's it's unfortunate, but I never actually finished ten two ten two I, I did everything in just because I liked the i liked ten so much it propelled me to be able to finish ten two yeah, I got. I got uh, most of the way through it, but I was just like, I just, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Like, the mechanics are good, but this story is, uh... Oh, it's bad. It's, it's, it's bad. Definitely, it's definitely bad. Yeah, and, well, and with 13, too, I did the same thing. So I played through 13, and, um, up to that point, I had gotten most Final Fantasies, like, day of, like, as soon as it released. Uh, 13, too, I didn't. I was like... Yeah, I didn't really care for 13 that much. I could wait. And then there was some sale, and I was in the mood to play an RPG, and I got it for 10, 15 bucks. And then I was like, oh shit, I should have gotten this one right away. It's fantastic. Like, this one is so much better than 13. <laughs> and I was completely surprised by it. Like, I didn't think it was going to be because of 10 2 and because of how 13 started. Right. But yeah, no, that one's definitely the best overall package of the trilogy. 13's decent, and I've been playing that. The combat's very similar to 7 Remake. 7 Remake's combat is better, but it takes a lot from 13 and then improves on it vastly. So that's one of the reasons I pick that one. I would hope if it's going to take things from 13, that would improve, because I thought the battle system in 13 was... Eh. I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. You control your movements, you can um, evade and um, uh, guard in real time, which is really nice. Uh, then you can slow things down if you want, and you can command your other characters to do certain abilities, like to heal you, to heal you with magic or use an item. Okay. Um, their, their active time bars uh, fill up depending on the amount of damage they do. And depending on what moves they do, they can it can fill up faster. So you have to make sure that they have, um, you know, action bars available to be able to like cast a spell or to use an item or to use a special ability that only they can use. But you can control them and you can switch between the characters at any time as well. So you can just play as Cloud and then micromanage your team members, or you can just switch to Barrett or Tifa and then back <laughs> and kind of control that flow there. Uh, but you do control your movement, which is super nice, which you couldn't do in 13. Um, they don't have the paradigms, but you can, each character can switch to 
a different play style. So like Cloud can go from like operative mode where he's more quick, but they're light attacks to Punisher mode where he's really slow moving, but they his attacks do like crazy heavy damage. Um, Barrett, if you switch to him and use him, you hold down the action button and he fires his gun. Um, but then you can do like a special move that uh, has its own cooldown meter to like do, you know, a blast shot and it does like a massive amount of damage. Tifa strings together combos almost similar to like a fighter, which makes sense because she uses her fists and like metal knuckles. <laughs> but it takes a lot of the, the more action elements of 13 and works it in. But it opens it up a lot more, which is kind of nice. But with 13, what I was saying, you were talking about how the with the wrist, like you could store stuff and you didn't know it. Well, I started in the middle of a cave on 13 and or a playthrough, and I didn't realize that I completely forgot because I haven't played it in years and years. You can upgrade your weapon. Oh, yeah. All of my characters' weapons were level one. Didn't notice. <laughs> and I and I kept dying. I was like, why am I not doing really any damage like i was surviving but i was dying way more than i remember and i was like what why is this and 13 is pretty forgiving so like if you die in a battle it starts you just right before that battle it's not taking you all the way back to like a crazy distant checkpoint or something so it wasn't like that much of a you know loss it was just like an irritant it was just repeating it was yeah so there'd be some just regular you know enemies that i would i would fail that battle like two or three times and I'd have to do it again and do it again and do it again. It was repeating. And then I found out I hadn't upgraded any of my weapons when I had played before for whatever reason. And then I hadn't, when I started again on this save file. And so I went through and I had all these components. I had all the weapons that you could have up to that point. <laughs> and I went from like a level one weapon to like a level like 30 weapon in one fell swoop. And it's like, it takes your damage from, uh, like 33 or 24 to like over 100. I'm like, oh, that'll help. <laughs> you went from being dominated to uh, dominating. I haven't done completely since. dominating. <clears throat> yeah, because I'm pretty thorough in those kind of games as far as like searching and inventory management, swapping things out and getting experience and stuff. So, <clears throat> like everything else I had down pat except for that bit. So, yeah, I was. I was just being dominated, being fucked over, over and over again and it was kind of making it a more tedious experience and it's already not one of my favorite Final Fantasies and then once I realized that I had completely forgot about the crafting or the upgrade system I, 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 I was back to normal I was like oh now I'm rocking it I have plenty of abilities and experience and weapons to do this <laughs> but it's like the wrist thing where you just didn't realize like you're doing it and it's fine but right. it is super helpful <laughs> It's oh, just yeah, one, it's one mechanic. It's very helpful. And then, of course, you know, I was like, "Oh shit! I could store, I could store a thing in my wrist, in my other wrist." And then I forgot that I did that. And so you're like, so used to playing the other way. And so I'm like, I'm in a firefight, and I'm like, God, I wish I had a grenade. And then I, I lift up my other hand, and I notice there's an icon for grenade in the wrist. I'm like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I do have <laughs> one. I forgot. And then what did I do? Not use it and kill them all with my gun. Yeah. And Even I still I play, have that grenade now. Play game 
games the same way, though. We always play them on the hardest difficulty and usually make things more difficult for ourselves. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. Yeah, so, like, I've actually stopped uh, over-leveling in RPGs because I want to, you know, have some sense of strategy in there. I I remember uh, grinding and, you know, grinding and grinding and grinding to get a level to where I completely dominate the boss. It's like, well, I don't really want to do that now. I want to, I want to actually, whoa. Oh, there you are. There was a lot of weird noises. Oh, <laughs> but you know, I actually want to strategize with the game. Pretty much, that's that's the gist of that. Yeah, you want some level of difficulty. Yeah, yeah, and that's why, like with thirteen in particular, I'm more excited to trophy grind for it. There's like the meta game for me, and um, get to the end game kind of content, <clears throat> which I didn't really experience the first go around. So. I am kind of excited, though, to get back into the orange box and play through. I know yeah. I finished all of them, but it's been such a long time. I haven't played the orange box in years. I haven't had it, not since it came out. Yeah. Which was that. the release of uh, Half-Life 2 Episode 2. Right. I thought bang for your buck, though, because this wasn't even full price, and it had, what, five games in it? Man, they were good games. God, Portal. I, I, I can still go back to Portal. Play the hell out of that. Yeah, Portal, I really enjoyed. That one was the one out of the orange box that definitely like grabbed my interest, and I played through a few times. And then, I don't play a lot of online games, but I played a lot of Team Fortress 2, actually. I used to. I haven't played, again, I haven't played Team Fortress in quite some time. <clears throat> yeah, I enjoyed it. Like, it's one of the few online shooters that I really got into and enjoyed. Doesn't happen often, but when it does, I'm usually all in. I did the same thing with um, Bioshock 2. That had an online multiplayer component, and Obviously, not known for multiplayer, but I played a ton of that. Right. I haven't played a lot of Freedom Wars. Yeah, we can kind of segue into that. So, what, what yeah. have you been uh, playing recently? So, Freedom Wars. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Freedom Wars and No Man's Sky. Because Man's apparently, Sky. I like uh, punishing myself. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Oh, it's no, no Man's Sky is actually like it's actually a lot of fun now. Um, but there are things that are very irritating with the game, like the uh, um, manipulating the terrain. So you can manipulate the terrain so you can easily place a base down, you know, flatten it down, everything else. But there's only so much that you can manipulate the terrain before what you've done in the past, you know, come comes back and and. Uh, pretty much just comes back like i'll have my I have my base all built and then i'll be on a whole other planet and i'll find some ruins and I'm like ah, oh, i want to dig out these ruins 
And it's like, awesome. There, there's some cool stuff here, and the ruins look pretty cool. And then I'll go back to my base, and it's completely covered in a mountain. And I'm like, <laughs> what, what, the, what the hell happened? And I find out that there's a... I forgot what they called it. I think it's terrain complexity or something like that. I don't remember what they called it in the game. But, yeah. So I but, had, but there's a limit, so it reset what you had done at the beginning of that chain. Yeah, and I'm like, God freaking damn it. <laughs> uh, that would be frustrating especially if you didn't know so <laughs> you, you're going back to a monster fuck without even realizing it right and so now when I build bases I don't manip- I try not to manipulate the terrain at all however that one which unfortunately it is my main base uh, it's it is what it is so now you have like a conservationist kind of attitude about it <laughs> pretty much it's like I gotta, I gotta protect the environment. Otherwise, the environment will fuck me up. Yeah, that's what I've been again watching you play. I've actually been interested in. Obviously, I knew of it, but I've never really talked to anybody who's played it. And I've heard of the like redemption arc of it. You know how it, how it started off kind of rough and stuff, and didn't deliver on its promises, but slowly yeah. kind of gained its audience back. Yeah, definitely. It definitely did not deliver when it first came out. Cause I got that I got that game on release. I was one of the suckers. I was like, "Oh my god, this game looks amazing!" No. And so I pre-ordered it, and I was like, "Yes!" And then I started, it and I was I was still having fun with it, but I was like, uh, "How do I play with other people?" Oh, I can't play with other people. But wait, they said that. Oh, whatever. Fine. It's like okay, so. Can I build a base? No, I can't build a base. So there's no real crafting. I can <laughs> upgrade my ship. All right. And there we go. That's about all I can do. There's a story, right? It's like, well, kind of. <laughs> oh, sounds there's, very bare bones at release then. It really was. It was It pretty much... Uh, uh, it, it, yeah, it really was just a. It was it was really nothing that was promised, and that's why people people were upset about it. That the company got far too ambitious with what they wanted to do with the game and were unable to deliver. And so, that's unfortunate. And so instead, just released it. That being said, they have slowly been doing updates, uh, bringing out more and more and more uh, 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 features. And so that's that's been good. Like you now can run. I just figured out. I think it was a couple of weeks ago that I can run into random people in the galaxy, not just in this sort of like destiny like hub. Oh, okay. So you but, can run into them out in the wild. Yeah, because I was I was at a shop and I I get out of the shop and there's the little text box pops up. Someone saying hello, you know, the question mark. I look and like, oh, there's a guy there. Oh, okay. So Hello. Like a world chat. Yeah, I was like, I did not realize I could read people. I'm like, I didn't realize it either. Oh, that's funny. It was the first time for the both of you. Right. But I mean, it's it's the game, the universe is pretty large, so the chances of you running into someone just randomly are, is actually pretty slim, you know, outside of that hub area. That makes sense, too. So it's like, yeah, the odds of it having the enemy, they would kind of lend credence to, oh, this probably can't happen then. <laughs> yeah. 
and I get the strange feeling that they were banking on that when the game came out. It's like, oh, the universe is large enough. He can run into each other, but what are the chances of that happening? Hey, he had not noticed that it actually wasn't feasible at the time. Yep. And not realizing that there's people on the internet who will find a way to be in the same spot as the other person, which they did, and there was... And those articles I read, where they were, yeah. they, they had live capture of them being in the same location at the same time, but not interacting with one another because they couldn't see one another. Well, what's funny is they actually kind of put that in the story as well, uh, later on, not during that time. Yeah. So, like, at some point in the story, you're trying to meet, your, your character in there is something called a traveler, and you're trying to meet up with another traveler. He's gone through a portal to try and get to you. And so he gives you his coordinates, and you give him your coordinates, and so you guys go in, go and try and meet up. And you guys are in the same place, but you don't see each other. And you end up finding out that uh, you're technically not in the same place. You're in another universe, a different universe than this person. I like how they like retcon that in into the story. That's funny. And I don't know if it was retconned in, but it was definitely... Uh, it was definitely kind of an interesting concept, and then you just find out that the whole the whole universe is a simulation, essentially, and mm, the simulation is about ready to break down. Not the Matrix, right? Pretty much. And so you're essentially just living the rest of your life. You're like, well, I don't know when it's going to break down. I mean, that I do and I don't type of thing because there's. Pretty much, you're you're given a time frame that the system's gonna completely break down, but that time frame is in relation to the world outside of the simulation. So you know, like ten minutes out in the in that world could be an eternity in the simulation type of deal. Yeah, time parallax. Exactly. That is interesting, though. Yeah, since I've watched you stream that game a little bit. Um... I definitely want to scoop it up and play it. It looks up my alley. I... Like game. I think I probably pick it up right away on release. Would have been a little too bare bones for me, but um, all the crafting and stuff that you show me your like bases and ships and exploration and stuff. I mean, it looks like sci-fi Minecraft, so I'm down with that. Yeah, it it pretty much is. There's not really too much point to the game. There's a story. Um, I think the majority of people aren't going to be into the story, though, but I I enjoyed it. I kind of like the uh, just text-based storytelling that the game has, as opposed to, you know, showing these uh, these uh, highly detailed and rendered uh, cutscenes. Yeah. So I, I feel think those like... have, like, a, a place, but not necessarily in every genre. Right. And you can you can lose a lot with uh, with those cutscenes. Like there was a oh, scene. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like there's a scene in the game. I say scene, it's you know explained to you. Um, I go up to uh, this monolith. This monolith is showing me this image, and it's describing the image. It's describing the image as this this creature that's been uh, Frankenstein together from many other creatures, uh, sewn together with uh, intestines and uh, entrails. And it's like if I saw that image. I would not catch all those little details, you know, all that, that detail. I'd be like, oh, well, it looks like a mass of random parts, and it looks disgusting. I was like, well, now I know why it's disgusting. It's because it's, 
you know, sewn together with entrails. It's got uh, parts from several different animals, and I know exactly what it is. And that's that image in my head is more grotesque than what would probably be presented in front of me. So it has a greater impact on me than it than it uh, otherwise would. It's kind of like the couple scenes I've seen you play where, like, the player character describes, like, how the person is reacting. So yep. it's like, it doesn't have to be, you know, pantomimed out to the T and hyper-realistic. And it is more in-depth where it's like, you know, this person, they shift nervously and their eyes go side to side, you know, as if their mind is elsewhere. Like, things like that is, like, really interesting and reminiscent of those fmv games that we talked about earlier oh yeah in, in the like episode the, the sierra the sierra point and click games yeah and they were always great with that because they did they just had you know a staff screen with your character you know and usually it was in the first person and then it would have that little text block at the bottom and it, it was they were always written like that and we don't get that type of storytelling in games very much anymore no it's it I definitely I definitely enjoyed it how I don't want that in every single game. No, can, and can I can you imagine I, if Final Fantasy was made that way? Oh god, it would be so tedious. It would it would slow the pace to a crawl. God, it really would. And those but games they, now too are so like the cinematography is so important to them that if they reverted back there and started describing every single like event and scene like that, it would be so tedious. <laughs> or how about Doom? Imagine oh, Doom. Oh god, being like that would that. be so weird. Yeah, and I like a lot of uh like shooters like that, in particular like arcade shooters or action adventure games, I like when you can get like codex or you can get like written accounts. Like as the player, you can either skip them completely because you're like, "Ah, it's Doom. I don't, I don't care. It, it, this doesn't bother me. It's the gameplay that's drawing me. It's you know how it looks, the frenetic, fast-paced nature of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I want, <clears throat> and that's what it's built around. So it's like that makes complete sense for me. I like having the option because I like that franchise so much, and I can go read if I want to. Right about like the background lore and stuff, but it's tucked away in the menu system, and there is no, no like for context other than what's written, and they're not written like that. <laughs> but they do a good job. They're like, you know, lore books and things like that, or lost histories, and it provides context. But you can completely skip over it and know exactly what's going on. It's pretty much the story is optional. Yeah, exactly. And in a game like that, that's completely understandable because it's oh yeah, not, of course. Not revolved around the story; it's revolved around the the gameplay. Uh, it's like in the first game, the first. Well, I say the first one. I mean the 2016 one. Yeah. Um, uh, when when uh do when do the Doom Slayer is getting uh exposition dumped on him, what does he do? He breaks the computer. Oh yeah, he's, he's that's like, actually Fuck that. one of my critiques of Doom Eternal is. Uh, you know the little robots in 2016 where you would get like your modifications and they're yeah. like floating and then he rip them off and each the robot. It makes me super sad. That was always one of my favorite parts. You're like time to blow some steam. It's like what? He's making love to the robot. Wait, oh, wait, wait. Nope. what's it? What's that? Doom guy. This, Doom guy. This, this is the wrong game. This is the Dude, wrong game. What am I playing? <laughs> Doom Lover? What is this? <laughs> right, Doom Lover. Uh, Doom Lover 2000. 
sounds like some Tumblr fan fiction BS right there. It really does, yes. So you've been playing No Man's Sky and then Freedom Wars. I've been enjoying Freedom Wars. I love Freedom Wars. That game is so dumb and I love it. Freedom Wars it's... is fantastic. I love Freedom Wars. For for all you hardcore Vita players out there. The so last AAA it, title. It, the imaginary people. Um. Hey, I'm going to include in the description, hashtag Vita Island, yo. It's a thing. <laughs> right. No, I, I enjoy Freedom Wars. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely um, an interesting an interesting story. I wouldn't call it good. I mean, it's, you know, it takes place in a post-apocalyptic world, but it's, you know, an anime game, so everyone's got oversized swords and headphones for some reason. They all have headphones, yeah. yeah I always thought them to be weird. And then uh, my favorite and also least favorite aspect of the game is uh, so that the, the military is, the military of the game is based off of uh, these these people called sinners and what the sinners exactly are it's not really explicitly explained but uh you start off and uh, you lose your memory and apparently that's a crime for a sinner and the yeah. crime for losing your memory is one million years of service yeah because everything is a resource in this world yes including including your memory and, and, so, everything, and everything's a right as well. Yes, or a, or a like privilege, it, I should say, not a right. Oh, uh, you you so you get as you do missions, you get entitlement points, and uh, uh, these points uh, they will reduce your sentence. So you'll do a mission, and it'll reduce your sentence by a few hundred years or a few thousand years, or something like that. Um, but you'll also be able to use these entitlement points to to get entitlements, to get privileges. And one of the first ones that you get is being able to lay down to sleep. Yeah. And, and whenever if you don't have that, every time you finish a mission and your character goes to sleep, he will lay down and he'll have this thing called an accessory, which is just a robotic anime girl person. Yeah, uh, just a robot. Yeah, just a robot. And uh, this person will be like, uh, you're not allowed to lay down. That's five years added to your sentence. I love it when you, in the beginning of that game, when you're in your cell after you free and you stand up and walk. Yep. You automatically get years added to your sentence because you do not have the privilege to walk. Yep. <laughs> you end up having to, you get the entitlement for pacing in your cell. It's the yeah. entitlement for uh, being able to lay down. Um, then you eventually get the entitlement to be able to go out of your cell. However, yeah. if you start running, you uh, get your sentence gets added on the added on then, so you get uh you get the entitlement to be able to run for five seconds, and then you get the entitlement to be able to run for ten seconds, which is just crazy. <laughs> it's it like is. it it's a part of a game that I probably would hate, but I love it in Freedom Wars. <laughs> like I I found it's it super funny <laughs> and charming. Well, that game really really uh appeals to the the grinding the, the the grinding that we all love and hate in games like you do missing repeat missions to bring down your sentence it's pretty much like all right how low can i get my sentence before it's you know ridiculous to be able to do anymore I mean, yeah right now i'm at uh 
823,000 years left. <laughs> so, you know, it's That's 200, amazing. Almost 200,000 years. I've knocked off my sentence. <laughs> but you still have 800,000 plus years left. Yep. Everyone treats you like shit. It's great because everyone's like, you're scum because you're a sinner. It's like, well, why the hell am I scum? I'm pretty sure I'm the one that's protecting you, asshole. I love, too, the uh, classism that kind of breaks down, too. Like, other NPCs that have better entitlements than you have. Yep. Like, treat, treat you like shit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they're, <sighs> they're entitled they're... to do more, therefore you're a piece of crap because you can't do what they can do. And so it's, like, blatant classism, like, within the hierarchy of sinners, which is kind of funny, too. Yeah, it's funny. Like, sinners outrank each other but at the same time they don't it's like they're all sinners and so they're all lumped together you, yeah yeah they're, they're all lumped together but you get like different clearances like right now i have a code five clearance in the game which by the way my room is now white or my cell is now white because that's a thing but <laughs> <laughs> but anyways uh yeah so there'll be there'll be sinners who have five hundred thousand years left in their sentence it's like oh i'm i'm definitely better than you and then when on I... top of that you get their citizens which they're they're kind of like the engineers and the working class in general and they treat the sinners like shit except for one that you deal with regularly they like demand you, they give you missions and stuff and they can just do whatever the hell they want they go up to you and be like all right you're doing this mission uh, <laughs> you're they're not, they don't they don't indentured serf. They like, tell you are, you are, you are a serf essentially in that yeah. in that world. And then you have people that are pretty much like the military leaders, and uh, they're not sinners. They're they're uh, something else. I forgot what they're called, but they treat that. There's the one that you deal with regularly. She calls you all worm, worthless worms. <laughs> And then whenever, oh, and whenever you get your code clearances, there you get this animated thing with this cute little teddy bear, and he's like, "Hey, you you passed, you've passed your uh, code, your code three exam. You're not doing so bad for a worthless drain on society." <laughs> it doesn't have its own like dark sense of humor, which I always liked about it. But that game's fun, and I found out that there is still a small community that plays online. You know. Three people that I've found. Yeah, I they, need to join back in and like, play. Yeah, they've been on for like uh, the past few days. That's hilarious. What uh, Panopticon did you join? Los Angeles. Yeah, that's the one I always did too. Yeah, I didn't West want to Coast. do New York. Yeah, I didn't want to West do New Coast, York. West Coast, Best Coast. Exactly. <laughs> that's hilarious. Have you been playing anything else besides uh, No Man's Sky and and Half Life Alex, of course? Um, I played. There's the Power Rangers fighting game. Love that game. I still need to edit our unboxing video and post that. That game's see. awesome. Trying to see what what I've been playing recently. Beat Saber. <laughs> of course. I play a shit ton of Beat Saber. You got to do playing... some. You got to do some K-pop songs the other night. That was cool. Black exactly. Pink. I did play. I did play some Super Nintendo games recently. Uh, I, I talked to you about Final Fantasy VI. Yes, which, which yeah, I Final want Fantasy to get back III. into that that one as well. 
and that game, like I didn't like that one originally, but uh, playing it now, it's actually I think I agree with a lot of people who claim it's their favorite. Like, yeah, this is actually it's a very well done game. My least favorite part of the game is the person who is advertised as the main character, who is Tara, and because she's yeah. kind of a bland character. But she's uh, incredibly bland. I played the beginning of that game several times. Yeah, haven't got haven't gotten very far because of her blandness. But it may at the beginning it makes sense because she's being mind controlled essentially by Kefka. That's true. And Kefka, I have to say, he is the best villain of anything ever. Just he's just great. He, he's just, he's just a good villain. He uh, he's relatable and psycho at the same time. I mean, imagine a Joker having reason, and then like, fuck all y'all. Fucking hate it. <laughs> Pretty much. It's like, and you go through most of the game, you, you don't even realize he's the main enemy. You think this emperor guy's the enemy, and he's just this emperor's uh, lackey. And then he ends up killing the emperor, or I think he killed him. I don't remember, actually. Point is, I, I love the idea, though, of the jester taking control of the king's like that. I like that. Oh, and you definitely see how ruthless uh, Kefka is. When he's, when he's ordering... Uh, when he's ordering people, when he's ordering around, you know, it's not he doesn't hold anything back. He should he definitely shows that he doesn't give a shit about anyone or anything. Yeah, but, that's one that I've always been intrigued in as a big Final Fantasy fan, but I've never gotten very far in it. But I'm very aware that it's you know <clears throat> usually Final Fantasy fans are divided between six and seven, generally speaking, as they're like absolute favorite. And then you get me, I just look not I think nine's just great. Nine's phenomenal. Wait, 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 no. Mystic Quest, best Final Fantasy ever. <laughs> Hand, hands down. <laughs> Greatest oh. game ever. Sorry, Europe. That was the first Final Fantasy. Oh, I know. Yeah, I feel like I should apologize to you for that. <laughs> even though the states had nothing to do with it, I still feel bad. So it wasn't even called Mystic Quest for them. It was called Final Fantasy 1 for them. No, I know. So, That's what I mean. I feel bad. Mystic, Mystic Quest for them was uh, uh, Legend of Mana. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, was Final Fantasy Adventure here. <laughs> God. I know Ariel and I did an entire Rage Quit podcast about Final Fantasy in particular, and there was a huge like portion of that podcast episode just devoted to the like naming and release like the like conventions <laughs> of the series and why it was so confusing and what it actually was and why that happened. <laughs> God, I think it was called Legend of Mana. I, I think you're right. I think it was because uh, one was, of the games one. I've been playing is Adventures of Mana. It, it was it's the first Mana game. Yeah, which is the Final Fantasy adventure, and yeah. that's Adventures of Mana now. But I'm actually gonna look here. Yeah, and it's funny okay, that you bring so, that up. So, so it's, it was it was adventures, not legend. Legend, uh, I think. 
I don't fucking remember. I don't remember all the. You know what? I'm gonna pull out the Super Nintendo game. Just look. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> Trials of Mana is the third. Is the third game. Yeah, and that just just came out here. Right. I have. I I have the. Uh, um. The uh, translation for Super Nintendo. Oh, nice. And as a shameless plug, uh, listeners can go and watch the Trials of Mana demo, which I streamed on the AS Inquisitor YouTube channel. I'll have a link for that. But... Secret of uh, Secret of Mana is the Super Nintendo. Yeah, the middle one. Get one. The best one? Yeah, which is really the, the only one that people know. It is the only one people know, but it was, uh, it was a great game. It was a three... Three player game for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, and it's funny that you bring that up because one of the games that I've been playing is Adventures of Mana. I've been playing that on the Vita. And that game is okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's... slog, to be honest. And it's the iOS for it, or remake, I should say, um, is a lot shorter than the Vita version. And probably rightfully so. The Vita one is is very like drawn out, and it's a little bit annoying because it it doesn't need to be. Yeah, it should be only like a eight hour game, a ten hour game. On the Vita though, it clocked close to, closer to twenty. Oh, a sword of mana. Okay, that's what it was. Or no, this Game Boy Advance one. Sword of Mana. I don't freaking know things anymore. That series is all over the place too. Well, that that's the that's the problem is uh their their whole naming convention these games is confusing, and so even today, yeah, they're like yeah, uh, I get why course correct later, but yeah, I get I get why they did that because it was uh uh you know we had Final Fantasy one here and then. We didn't get another Final Fantasy in the in the states until uh, four, which ended up being called Final Fantasy two to try and prevent confusion. Yeah, because what happened with you know at the time people would have asked, well, where the hell is Final Fantasy two and three? Exactly. <laughs> and then later, where's Final Fantasy five? You know. <laughs> yeah, we, we never even got Final Fantasy five until much much later with butts. Yeah, and five Excuse was me, released Sparts. on the, the PS One when they uh, threw those into a collection and then corrected the naming convention. And then three we didn't get until the DS, which is insane. But yeah, it's like I and they, and they completely well they completely changed it too when it came out. Yes. Oh yeah, because it was, was it was a soft remake. Yeah, it really was. Because there wasn't really. Uh, Characters in three, they kind of they kind of went back to the whole uh, the whole thing they did with Final Fantasy one. Yeah, because like it everyone... was Ununite. Ununite was the main character. Well, everyone was Ununite at the beginning of the game, and then from there you end up getting more classes, and yeah, more abilities. So it's like there wasn't uh, there wasn't characters with character names. That game was okay. It was uh, it was a little bland because it didn't have a villain that really mattered. It was just this entity called the Cloud of Darkness, but there was no real uh, 
connection to this villain who is just essentially fighting a force of nature. Which isn't bad, you know, it just... It just it, it, there was nothing to really hate in that in that game. Yeah, that one I have played through either. I think I it's a it's available to play in the beta now, so I have it actually downloaded on my but I have not cracked it into it. It's better than what they did for four. Don't get me wrong, I love four. Four, I, I, do, I do. I do actually love four, but the freaking. Stupid twist at the end with uh, Golbez. You find oh, out yeah. that he was mind controlled, and the there's this other villain that's really the is the real villain of the series that you it's have like not heard about the entire time. They haven't heard about. There was no real hint that this was the case. Nope. And so it was it was a twist that had no meaning. It was it was less of oh my god, I didn't see that coming. It makes so much sense now. It was uh oh my god. How could I have ever seen that coming? There was no information. Yeah, no foreshadowing whatsoever. You're just like, God damn it. And for me, 4 currently is my favorite of the like pre-Final Fantasy 7 Final Fantasies. And mostly just because of the like the ethical kind of like turmoil that uh, Cecil goes through. Like realizing that he's the bad guy. And then be actively becoming the good guy <clears throat> was like the first for a Final Fantasy. So I, I had I had trouble with a lot of the changes to the characters as on with the game, like uh, Rydia, for example. Um, you know, she she never wanted to use. She was afraid of fires, and so she would never she never wanted to use fire magic. Yeah, and the development to get over that is essentially everyone saying, "We'll just get over it." And yeah. Like, okay. And he's a fire. <laughs> Done. Nailed Pretty much. It. And then all of the fake out deaths in that game. Oh, there's my a lot God. of fake out deaths in that game. I was desensitized to it halfway through the game. Well, yeah, because it's it's so overused. It doesn't matter anymore. And then you get you know Final Fantasy, like the original Final Fantasy two. There were several people who died in that game, and they were gone. Oh yeah, and Final Fantasy two is great. I love. Furion as a main character. I did too, and it's I, I do understand people's hatred of that game because it's janky, but I like the idea of the system. You know, I do too. leveling up through proficiencies as opposed to levels, which but, is funny because that's how like Elder Scrolls does it, right? But there are stupid things that that game did. For example, uh, your HP would not level unless you got hit. Yeah, and well, so, I, but you could spam that in the beginning by attacking yourself. Yeah, you can do that, and that's a dumb way to level. Oh, in some that, ways, yeah, absolutely. That's a very, it's a very dumb way to level. And then when when I had played the game the first time through, I had cursed one of my characters because I had a cursed weapon. Yeah, and there was no way for me to remove the curse until much later. And it was uh, it was really frustrating because like churches wouldn't do it. Churches don't remove the curses. Uh, uh, only only was only holy water will do it, and holy water wasn't available until like three towns later. So I have this uh, gimped character for, <laughs> <laughs> for quite a while. For quite a while, I was like, God, freaking damn it! And so that was that was frustrating. But 
that would be rough. I don't think I ever had that happen. But it's one of those things that the system itself works really well on paper, but they just didn't implement it very well on that game. Yeah, there just needs to be checks and balances. Right. But I did love the dark nature of that game. I really did. And I can't really think of a Final Fantasy that has uh, achieved that same that same level of despair. Yeah. <clears throat> That's one that I would I would almost like to see not a three D remake of it, but a remake using, you know, maybe like the Octopath Traveler or like the default engine. Um I, I think that would be really interesting. I would I would love to see a full on remake of that game. Just kind of update the story a because even though I do think the story was good, um, the characters in that in that game didn't really have much character. No, they didn't. And it it, it definitely showed that this was a very early G. And so you know that's why I forgive it a lot because it is a super super old you know RPG. The storytelling again, it's not the greatest. It was the the second in a very successful series. Yeah, I've been playing um, Fantasy Star 3 Generations of Doom. It's the same kind of thing. Mm. <laughs> it's definitely very much of the time. I'm enjoying myself with it, but I'm very aware of like how RPGs functioned at the time. So like, I'll, I'm fairly forgiving because it, it is. It's just very of the time. So it, like, it doesn't bother me as much. I don't expect any modern sensibilities. When in blind, I should say. But I did like the storytelling in that and the gameplay mechanics. Yeah, and actually, a perfect game that uh, that embodies that idea really well is the first Zelda game. First Legend oh, of yeah. Zelda. That game, I love that game, but it is kind of a, it really is kind of a janky game. You know, yeah. there, there, there are some serious balancing issues in that game, and uh, although I, I personally enjoy the lack of direction, in that game, you know, you have to kind of figure out where to go on your own. I yeah, they don't really tell you anything. I personally like that, but I understand why others don't. Whereas, like uh, Link to the Past, for example, for Super Nintendo, uh, there's a there's more there's more of a path that they uh, they have you follow. Yeah, it's very guided. But as there far is as the level design. Right, but there is still a little bit of deviation you have to do in order to get through the game. Like there's some bosses that uh, you know you get you get items into dungeons and uh, some items will help you for the boss of that dungeon, but sometimes they just help you get through the dungeon and you'll use the item of the boss in a completely different dungeon. Yeah, and which so, is very true. And I felt like that game in general still very much promoted exploration, but still was giving you a a path to victory so to speak yeah and in fantasy star i think a lot of people find it like if you missed out on that period of gaming or just didn't play games at that time um the directions are kind of obtuse like you have to talk to like npcs and they give you vague like, like not necessarily instructions even it's like oh i heard there's a cyborg to the west and that's right. all you get. And like RPGs did that at the time. And so like diving into something like that that I haven't played, but I've played others of its ilk, it's like, oh, okay, I need to go west then. But some yeah. people might not. 
not like I, like think of that. It's like, oh, where do I need to go? It's like this person's just talking about something that's unrelated to what you're doing. It's like, well, no, actually, they're like inadvertently telling you where you need to go, and you just have to listen, or read. Castlevania Two did that shit too, but they did it terribly. Yeah. Oh yeah, Castlevania Two NPCs will give you find things, but the clues are so incredibly vague that it's you know it's hard to decipher them. Um, also, some of the NPCs just flat out lie to you. Oh, that's rough. And so you know that game's like God freaking damn it! I remember uh, during the NES era in general, you know, writing writing down everything NPCs say, and it's just about any. RPG like game. I, I remember doing the same thing. Yeah, I like, I did the same thing with the uh, Crystallis on the NES. I like wrote everything down, mm-hmm. drawing maps out in dungeons and everything else. I actually did that for the first time in probably decades with Fantasy Star because it's just a stat. It is just a static screen for the dungeon, but they're huge and they're just windy labyrinths with like a person in them and the random encounters is quite high in that game, which is fine. It's doable. It's not mm-hmm. like, what was, there was a, you'll probably know, but there was a dungeon in one of the final fantasies and it carried over. It's one of the early ones where every single step was a random encounter. I can't remember which one that was, but it's nevertheless, it's not like that in fantasy star, but it is quite high. And so I actually found myself mapping it out. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, I've been here. I've been here. You know, take a few steps or go to the next screen, just so I wouldn't get lost. Right. And you do have items in that game that uh, immediately take you out of a dungeon, so you don't really have to worry about backtracking too much. But you definitely need to know where you have gone, you know, prior, so you don't get lost while you're trying to find some NPC to talk to. Another thing I remember writing down all the time were, yeah, you know, they. A lot of games didn't have uh, saves. Oh, yeah, they you had pass codes. codes. Yep, yeah. you the state codes. And freaking my, my favorite game that had that was Guardian Legend for the NES. Oh, yeah, yeah. Loved, loved that game. It's, you know, you're, it's a mixture of Legend of Zelda and Galaga. It's freaking, yeah. <laughs> it's freaking great. They had crazy genre mashups back in the day, too. Yeah, that that one was a good matchup, and I could, I can go back to that game anytime and just freaking dump hours into it. Yeah, that's a good one. I enjoy that one too. But now I don't have to write the codes down. I can just take a picture of it. I know, right? <laughs> I love because uh, I've been collecting a lot of like uh, retro games and stuff, and trying to get uh, complete copies and. Uh, in particular, the, Genesis is one of my favorite consoles because that's what I that's what I started kind of grew up with. Yeah, and uh, all the manuals have like you know ten blank pages in the back that are just for notes or passcodes. God, remember uh, getting manuals in games? I know. Well, it was when I was pulling out the orange box so we could do this episode of the podcast. Uh, I cracked it open, of course, and there's a manual in it. <laughs> For the for the PS3, and I'm like, oh my god! And it actually has color to begin with. It's not a leaflet, um, so it's got the orange box cover on it. It's got an orange backing to it with the uh, Team Fortress logo and the Gordon logo, like silhouettes. 
Mm-hmm. And then it has all the stuff to it. It's got the warnings, of course, but it's got getting started, welcome to the orange box, starting the game, Half-Life 2 plus episodes 1 and 2, Pearl Team 4, credits and then limited 90 day warranty and it's like just packed full of information well, yeah. like oh my god I haven't seen one of these in ages yeah I was going to say the 360 and PS3 era half the games had uh, ended up going to just little leaflets or or uh, advertisements for other games that that publisher you know published and... I, I was I was happy to see when we went through Power Rangers special edition for the Switch that had a full-on manual with the yeah. move, move set guide and everything else for each character. It was great. Yeah, that was super cool. And actually, another game for the Switch I got has that has a manual called War Group. Oh, does that turn, one have one too? Yeah, it's a little turn-based strategy game. That game's about really good. I really like that game. A little cheesy, but I like cheesy. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the last... Let's see, I got I got Doom Eternal here. That's a fairly new one. So I'm sure this is gonna have the leaflets. Oh yeah, War Group came with all this other crap. I got uh, the digital soundtrack, stickers, and a map. I like yeah. maps. Yeah, so Doom Eternal's the same kind of thing. It's got decals for your control. You can make it Doom themed if you want. Mm-hmm. I think that was a special Amazon thing. Might have been just through them, not necessarily Doom Eternal. Oh yeah, there's my little Altair. Um. Oh, it's it, because it's Bethesda published. It has a Fallout seventy six Wastelanders lit. There you go. Yeah, just a single little leaflet yeah, on the front. On the front has that. On the back has join the Doom Slayers Club. And then I have a single bifold that has the game controls and the warnings. That's it. That's actually more than a lot of a lot of things give you now. I'm yeah. I'm really surprised that the bifold's actually in here, and it's in color and has like the warranty information on the back. The cover on the front, and then the middle pages. Left side's warning, right side is game controls. I I love getting uh, games now where they you know you'll open them up, they have nothing inside them, but they yeah. have little clips to hold things. I know, yeah. It's like why? In case we want to write, in case we want to write down, you know, information that the NPCs say, because you know we don't have the internet. I do love how, though, they have reversible covers. A lot of games do now. Yes, I do like that. I also love going back to PS3 games, that, which is kind of where that started, that era in gaming, uh, not specifically PlayStation 3. But um, it's like before I noticed that they were doing that, I'm like, oh, shit, this had a reversible cover, and I've had this game for 15 years. I had no idea. Like, I, when I pulled out Final Fantasy thirteen, it has a reversible cover. I, I didn't even notice until now. And I was like, oh, I'm going to flip that. New ones, though, I seem to notice more. Like, my PS4 and Switch games. Well, it's pretty much It's one of the first there. things I switch to, like, look at. Well, pretty much now, if uh, they don't have a reversible cover, it kind of feels gypped. I hate it when they... And I'm sure you've seen this, too, but when you get like a switch game and it doesn't have a reversible cover but it has the controller um 
layout on the inside of the cover. Yeah, I've seen that. As, so you can't see it because like all the stuff's in the way. Whatever's inside, not very well at least. And then like the idea is, is that you would fl- like reverse the cover so you would have the control layout on the outside. Like, <laughs> why? Who does that? Psychopath. I think that's what I was just gonna say. Heathens, psychopaths. <laughs> it just seems wrong. It is wrong. Yeah, I've been playing Adventures of Mana, like we talked about. I've been doing that on the Vita. I don't know every few nights or so. I agree with your assessment. It's a little bland and boring. I'm like, eh, about it. I want to finish it because I kind of want to work my way through to Secret of Mana, of course. Again, I played that one. And Trials of Mana, which I really did enjoy that demo. <laughs> so I was like, eh, I might as well get it. Uh, God, it's really like... It's just monochrome for like combat. There's like very little to do. The touchscreen controls are nifty, but it's kind of gimmicky. Like they they work really well, but it's like that's kind of the highlight, <laughs> which is kind of sad. Right. That it's like the ease of controls because of the touchscreens. Um, you know, they do make it more fun to play and more fluid, but it's probably because it was also remade for uh, smartphones at the same time. Yeah, at least it's not a bumper RPG. True. It's not an original yeast game. <laughs> That's also good. Uh, I've been playing Fallout 76 Wastelander, which I've really been enjoying. I've been diving that, into that. Um, seems like there's a healthy amount of content there. More than I thought there was going to be. The yeah, world need, actually seems full. I need to play more of that. I'm having a blast. I have a companion in my camp right now who has a really interesting story and they don't follow you in a combat like the uh, other Fallout games. Uh, they pretty much hang out at your camp. They do protect your camp, though, so, which gets invaded regularly. Um, they'll they'll take up a firearm and start attacking, which is kind of cool. Uh, mm-hmm. The gal that I have at my camp, she the, the story I really enjoy, which is kind of what was d- definitely missing from 76, and this is just her companion quest. This doesn't have anything to do with the main... Uh, Wastelanders quest, but um, she was before the the nuclear apocalypse or the nuclear holocaust. Like she was put in a cryogenic chamber in space. She was an astronaut, and okay. they were oh, yeah, they yeah. were testing cryogenics, and they put her into deep sleep with her. She had a crew; it wasn't just her, and she was orbiting Earth. And then all hell all broke, and everyone forgot about her. <laughs> and she ends up crash landing into uh, Appalachia, where you are in, in uh, Virginia. Yeah. And she be- she becomes your companion. You like save her. She's all banged up and stuff. You bring her back to her camp. Uh, well, you find out that it was kind of like a, a Vault Tech experiment, not with Vault Tech though, uh, with other shady kind of corporations, and that the deep sleeper cryogenic program was. Um, you know, it was an experiment, and she, unbeknownst to her, and yeah. so you have to kind of unravel this decades-old mystery about what they did to her, because she's having these like blinding like headaches. There's these old like robo brains or assaultatrons that keep trying to like track her down and kill her, 
And then there's this mysterious scientist showing up at your camp who tracked down her signal, um, who's obviously decades older from when she knew him, uh, who's very, very mysterious and obviously withholding information and knows more about what the the sleep program was actually about than he's letting on. But that's super interesting. Very long. I have not finished that one yet. A lot of little quests to finish that one, but find that to be pretty cool. World definitely feels more lived in. I run into like NPC stuff all the time now. Like you'll be exploring an area and there'll be like scrappers or like you'll get attacked by raiders trying to make it a camp. There's the cult of Mothman, which is fun. Mothman. Did I tell you about Ollie, how he's afraid of Mothman? Yes, he did. Yeah, with the Funko Pop. Uh, you're you're showing me uh, when I was not when I was last over, but one of the times when I was over. Oh, okay, yeah, he's still definitely afraid of that thing. <laughs> he just looks exactly. at Mothman and he freaks out. Can't wait Sometimes... to see uh, when he's older. See see how he deals with that stuff. <laughs> he's like psychologically scarred for the rest of his life. Of weird nightmares. Has to talk to a therapist about it. Has no idea. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I just have this dream of a giant dark moth man. <laughs> he just watches me. <laughs> the reason why he becomes psycho and kills everybody? Oh God! Hopefully not. <laughs> You're raising a psychopath, Anthony. I would love to tell him, about, like when he, you know, years later, like when he was a teenager or something. I was like, it's Mothman. It's just a Funko Pop from Fallout. <laughs> That's what I've had nightmares about for years. My bad, my bad. It's like, yeah, because I would show them to you every day and you would run away. (laughs) My favorite thing to do, and this is horrible, but it's funny, (laughs) is (laughs) Ariel will distract him. So he'll be in the kitchen and she'll be talking with him or something or the living room. And then I set up Mothman in his room in the doorway. And so then he rounds that little hallway running back into his room. And then there's Mothman. (laughs) (laughs) It's horrible, but I get a lot of laughter out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna you're gonna raise uh you're gonna raise Michael. <laughs> he's, he's gonna he's gonna murder he's gonna murder everyone because uh because moth got into his backpack or something. If that's all it took to make a psychopath, there would be far more psychopaths in the world. Well, that might be all it takes for him. <laughs> it's all relative. It is all relative. <laughs> you know, you could you could raise well, six he is people. A rel- the... He is a relative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You could raise six people the exact same way, and they'll all turn out different. Good, but you know, you talk about psychopaths per capita, then it kind of <laughs> it evens back out. <laughs> the odds are against it. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm sure you're. I'm sure. You're Kid's not going to be a psychopath. All because of Mothman. <laughs> yeah, all because of Mothman. But yeah, I've been playing Wastelanders, really enjoying that. Always been a fan of that game. Final Fantasy mm-hmm. 13, which we already kind of talked about. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, slowly but surely, which I really enjoy. Square Enix just came out with a uh, tentative list of releases looks like we'll get part two which i'm sure will be delayed but uh 2023 
I doubt it hits that mark anyways, though. God, friggin' the full game's not gonna come out for, like, 50. Oh, yeah, it's gonna be, like, a 15-year wait. <laughs> it's gonna I... be ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I can't do that. I just can't do that. That's why I'm just playing it now. I'm like... 2023? Yeah, so three years from now, we'll get the second part. And the first part only in the Midgar section. So yeah. the intro of the game, which is very short in the original. I bet you what they what they may end up doing is so you know the second the second part of the game will you know come out in 2023, but what they will do what they'll probably do is have DLC that expands the first game a little bit more, and then once they get to you know the full game in 2023, then they they'll have the next part of the story from there. Probably, especially since for console players it's going to be making a leap obviously we're going to be in yeah. PS, ps5 territory by the time 2023 rolls around so then yeah. what else have i planned yeah, fantasy star here and there oh yep i really want to get the fantasy star online too when that freaking comes out for windows yeah i read a couple articles about that today I'm pretty pretty excited for it. I want to play that one too. Oh, and Assassin's Creed Four, Black Flag. That's the other one. I've been playing that on the Switch. A good one. Yeah, I really enjoyed that game. Definitely fallen in love with it all over again. That one that one holds up incredibly well. And the Switch board is phenomenal. I haven't had any issues with it. And I shouldn't, but I kind of expected there to be <clears throat> some datedness to it, but not really. It's pretty much like the same complaints I had then, which were minor, or is the same complaints I have now about it, or isn't anything added? Right. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think that's about it. A myriad of retro games, too, but I kind of just sprinkle those in. Yeah, I go I always go back to a bunch of different retro games. I have so I, I have a, I usually typically go back to Super Nintendo games more than anything else. But such a great system though and such a great library. I have, you know, all my Super Nintendo games, but the ones that I'm that I currently go back to I keep in a drawer. Um a drawer March like, porn. Marked porn, exactly. And <laughs> my computer. So they're just kind of ready at the, yep, ready at the draw. Right with my super boy. Yeah, and I've gone through lately the last couple months and like tidied up my entertainment center, all of my electrical cables and stuff, even my like network and crap for consoles that are online and everything's all organized out. I've even got little trays for like loose carts that are like, you know, Nintendo 64 specific, Sega Genesis specific, and everything's like hooked up and running and clean and I have like the controllers that I want for each console, you know, like the N64 right. I've been playing regularly. I cannot play with the original controller. I don't know how I did back in the day. No, I don't know how I did either. That game, that controller is always a learning curve every single time I go back to it. Yeah, because I didn't have a 64 growing up. However, I had plenty of friends that did, and so I would go 
especially in like junior high, have like sleepovers and shit, and we would play Goldeneye. I've I've used that controller and I've I played fine then. It wasn't like I was getting destroyed just because I didn't have a sixty. We we were pretty evenly matched because we were the same age. Right. How the fuck did we use that controller? I really don't fucking know. I have no idea because like my hands are big enough now that I can actually reach around with my pinky and hit Z trigger. Right. So I can hold it like almost a normal controller. But it's still like so obtuse. Like <laughs> it's like it's so difficult to use. <laughs> Luckily, Retrobit put out um, a controller that is that has modern sensibilities. I wish the build quality was a little bit better because it is one of the light. It's it feels kind of chintzy, but right. it's it it functions like a pro pad. It's it's like a Switch Pro controller or an Xbox controller with the inverse analog stick, the button layout, and all that's good stuff, but... <laughs> so I've been playing, like, Quake and Quake 2 on the 64, but I don't know how we use the controller. I have no idea. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't tell you, because I freaking barely use it now. I still try and use it, though. I have one. Like, I, I, I didn't, like, get rid of my original controllers, but... Right. I just don't know... Because, like, I picked up Goldeneye... Quake 1 and 2, Turok 2, some of these, like, first-person shooters. I was trying to use the original controller. I was like, this is near Fucking impossible. Try, trying to play Goldeneye with that freaking controller. Oh, I did. It was awful. Like, I, yeah. I tested the game out. It was before I got my retro bit one, and I was like, yeah, I, I can play, like, two minutes of it just to prove that the cart works still. Uh, otherwise, I can't. Yeah, it's just not worth it. God, and then with the retro rock on that thing. Oh yeah. Again, that was the same kind of thing. I didn't have the retro bit one, so I tried it out when I got it. About I got like ten minutes into it. I'm like, yep, yeah, it works. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. With the retro bit one, it plays like a modern first person shooter and you can button map everything. And in every single one of those games you can button map. So Which is nice. Kinda yeah. need that. Oh yeah, like especially absolutely. when you get to, especially when you get to like the the Zelda game for sixty four, they have the Z targeting. Yeah, and you can you can button map and change that, so it it's as close to like modern controller layouts as possible with a more modernized controller, and 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 then it plays like normal, like you don't really have any issue with it. Yeah. I have been playing Skies of Arcadia on the Dreamcast. Never played that one before. That one's really not cool. Not playing Albert Odyssey? No, not a little while. Tisk tisk, man. Tisk tisk. I'm going to buy my own copy of that game. It's a great I've got, game. I've got money set aside for it because that's a pricey one. <laughs> yeah, it's an expensive game. That's why we got the totally legit copy. <laughs> yeah, which is how I've been playing it. <laughs> but I have your Saturn now, like, cleaned with a fresh battery and it's put up. <laughs> so when we're out of quarantine, you can have it back. <laughs> All right, sounds good. And I can, I can hook it back up and play some Night's Made Dreams. Exactly. Yeah, since I got my, my Macari Sega Saturn. Yeah. I actually haven't used Macari. 
That's the only thing I purchased on Macari because that it was a gamble because the seller I bought my Sega Saturn from, um, they just found it. They're like, I don't know if this works. I only had a power cable for it. They were like, it powers up, but I can't tell if it's uh, uh, actually functioning. Right, and I, and I have nothing else for it. I'm just selling it as is, and so I knew that. That was all in the description. The seller was very honest, and I had never purchased anything from Macari, and it was like forty seven dollars plus shipping. So I was like, you know what? This is the by far the cheapest I've seen, but it is a gamble. I'll go for it. So I purchased right. it, and it had Virtual Fighter Two in it, which okay. was not which was not advertised. So I got like a free game with it, and then. I bought third-party cables off of Amazon for like ten bucks, and they were already here by the time the Saturn arrived. And everything works flawlessly. I just needed to replace the battery to save. That was it. Which I had as well because I had just purchased batteries to replace um, the batteries in my VMUs for the Dreamcast. Nice. So it all worked out. Long story short, my one experience with Macari seemed to be fruitful. Yeah, it sounds like it. I don't know if I just got super lucky or what, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking at Macari right now. It's like, they do have good prices. Yeah, they have decent prices and a decent like variety of things. Like, you can't find everything like you would be able to on, say, like eBay, but... Definitely more of a selection than, say, Etsy, which is more like crafty kind of stuff. But sometimes you can get video game things on there. Yeah. Yeah, I was, was kind of kind of looking at it right now. There's the uh, the Lotus Wars game for Dreamcast, which I absolutely love. On uh, eBay, it's like you know, with the case and everything, shot up to. Hundred some odd dollars, like fifty dollars on Mercari. That's yeah, that's that's a good discount. Yeah, it seems like the pricing is quite a bit different from Mercari and eBay. It's just, can you find it on Mercari? Yeah. I'm actually gonna look right now. Compare this pricing. Because it's like obviously there are some sellers to prefer to use Mercari, so. They just kind of stick with their home turf so you can get better deals. Right. Oh, it's not that much different now. I mean, still, like, there's a couple that are 100, but it looks like it's averaging. Kind of going Six. down a little bit from when you last looked. Yeah. It's still cheaper on Mercari, but... Yeah, when I was looking at Sega Saturn's on eBay, a lot of times it would just be the system and the cables, which is fine. That's exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. If it was Sans cables, I wasn't as worried about that because you can get those pretty much anywhere. But um, they were between like 120 and 150. For granted, they were tested and, you know, sold as functioning. So we're under warranty via eBay, but. <laughs> You know, I was able to save, I don't know, probably 16 to 90 bucks on the one I got. Nice. 
And I haven't had any issues with it. No. It was like I had it and tested it. It was fine. And then like the few times I played it, it's, you know, crapped out or something or had issues. It's been running great. Right. I've even had it run it for like quite a few hours, like uh, playing CDs through my soundbar. Just to kind of kick it on and use it. No mm-hmm. issue. Nice. And I got a retro bit controller for that too. Because I got a deal on that. It was like $9.99 for a uh, Sega Saturn retro bit controller off of eBay. They even get a lot of those. I like them. I, I think the. The the build quality on them is the only factor that I dislike. Mm-hmm. Like the Saturn one in particular is like really light. It feels like you're gonna break it. Well, However, it, it looks really cool, and the, the uh, game pads of that time were really light, anyways. Well, on top of that, uh, the technology the technology is a lot smaller now. Like they. I bet you. Oh yeah, there's a lot thing, less but, in there. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you well, open that thing, compare it to uh, an actual Sega Saturn controller. It's a uh, far more uh, consolidated. A lot of things are going to be. And it is. Because the one I have, you can see through the plastic. It's yeah. translucent. And there's not a lot going on inside of it. <laughs> right. But as far as like the the overall quality. Like how it functions, you know, like maybe buttons getting st- stuck or something like that, or like sizing, or how it looks, like the aesthetics of it. Like they're gorgeous to look at. They're really pretty. I have like a clear, like purple one. Uh, it looks really cool. Uh, it functions with the original console just fine. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just got a light build quality to it. And that's it. And uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's just the. They weren't very heavy to begin with, and then the technology is so much more miniaturized now that it's like there doesn't need to be a lot in there, so it's lighter. There's less material. Hey, it's funny how that works. I know. What are the odds? Kind of like calculators. You know, you can now make them. Uh, you can now make them the size of a freaking flash drive if you really wanted to. You'll never have a calculator with you at all times. Yeah. I remember. I remember being told that it's like uh, it's one in my pocket all the time now. It does yeah. other things, <laughs> yeah, but it's always there and it's built in. And I do use it all the time. Yeah, I use mine all the time too. I use my uh, like timer and stuff too regularly. Yeah. Well, I think that's about a wrap for the episode. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think I think we've gone through. Uh, I think we've gone through as much as we can. Yeah, we hit up the orange box. Talked about our history with Half Life. Talked quite a bit about Half Life Alex, which I thought that would be a good episode topic. To be honest, I've really enjoyed watching you stream it. So, yeah, you might you might see me finish it. Uh, not tonight, obviously, or this morning. Now at this point. Yeah, it is late. It's like one forty in the morning while we're recording. Yeah, no problem there. <clears throat> and then, yeah, we talked about Battle Fantasy, MMOs, games that we're really playing. Probably have that as a reoccurring segment, I would imagine, when we end the podcast with whatever we're currently playing. Right. 
that that might that could get pretty repetitive i'm sure too but i'd you know be like oh i'm still playing no man's sky well if we have some 14 if we have something new we can yeah throw it in the end i play so many different games like regularly that i'll probably always have something to say (laughs) (laughs) I, i do play plenty of dumb mobile games I play some mobile games, to be honest. I play Not a Brave Exvius and that, uh, that Warm Visions, one. which is also Brave Exvius. Yeah, I played Brave Exvius, the Futurama game. Okay. And SimCity Build It. play that one quite a bit. Oh, there was that Fallout one, too. Oh, Fallout Shelter? Those are on yeah. consoles now, so I just yeah, played no. those on console. I, I'm the- done with that game. <laughs> I go through spurts where I I will play it for like daily for a little bit for a couple months and then I won't play it for months and months and months. See, that's how I am with Brave Exvius. That now I <laughs> right now I'm in, uh I'm just gonna log on and get my special stuff and then log out. Yeah, and the, yeah, I, and I'll do that too. I'll do like dailies and be done. I just go on there, spend log in bonus, get off. <laughs> you know the usual, just the, just the whale. Just oh, be the whale. Fucking a. I'm sure people think I'm a whale now, but I've just been playing the game since I started. I've just got everything now. That's funny. I'm a total it's... whale for Fallout 76. I was like, I've spent so much money on that game. <laughs> I oh, I am a total whale for that game. It's all good. If you if you enjoy the game, freaking spend as much as you want on it. Oh, I do. I I hate it. Uh, social media where they're like why do you spend money on this game and it's like well okay first of all not your money so who cares right. uh second of all you're not playing it so again who cares i enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> i've never understood that because there's plenty of games that people support like i would never play that but as long as they're having fun who cares as long as, as, long as they're not stealing credit cards to fund their habit <laughs> i don't give a shit there, there's the there's the whole mmo Mo thing, you don't pay my sub. Oh, I know. Did you see? This would be a good note to close out on. Did you see? Um, oh, I don't know the streamer's name, but there's a clip floating around on social media of this um, female streamer where she goes off about how people should give her five dollars for a sub and why. So, what was her reasoning? So, it was really funny, and there was a lot of. Stream- then did parody videos where she she goes on this tirade. So I'll set the scene. She's in front of her like webcam and stuff. She's not playing a game or anything. It's like just chatting stream, I'm assuming. Okay. And she's got like the fabric um, like canopy over the top of her. There's pillows and stuffed animals everywhere. It's very like petite gal. And it's a very like over the top kind of movie. Which is fine. I that part I don't really care about, but I'm setting the image though, so that's what you're seeing. I, I don't know that 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 image kind of sets her attitude for me too, and I say, it really I'm does, so and that's one of the reasons that I I brought it. And leave it up for interpretation, but that's how I took it as well. <laughs> right. Anyway, anyways, she the clip it, like in question. Uh, she starts by saying that um, at, at most a meal is only going to cost you. Dollars, so um, you should be able to. Uh, if you're watching Twitch, you have a disposable income, so you should be able to, you know, sub to her. You know, at least four subs. The twenty dollars for a meal—that's nothing. 
<laughs> then she goes on this tirade about how $5 isn't anything. And if you're watching Twitch and you don't have money, that you're lazy and you're not, you're living your life right. Coming from the coming from the person who's essentially demanding money from people, not even begging, just demanding money. She is, yeah. She's not like there are no pleasant rounding anything that she's saying. She's not like, um, you know, if you have the means, could you please, you know, subscribe to me? I'd like to make more content for you. It's not that kind of pitch that you see all the time mm-hmm. from content creators. It's very much like if you are watching me right now, you have money and means, therefore you should give me five dollars. You should at least give me a sub or not be here. Get out. Man, I wish I was on that stream. I would troll the shit out of her. Yeah, I'm really surprised that no one did because she did have... uh, It was either her Twitch stream chat or her Discord chat up overlaid on her screen. And she's going on this tirade and then she has these really, in my opinion, noxious kind of mannerisms and very it, it comes across as very fake because it probably is it's like a, a it's a show she's, is what you're watching yeah. where she'll go like she'll do that tongue like click and then like do a pregnant pause and kind of cock her head if she's reading the chat yeah, and then right. then she'll go off about you know how you should have five dollars to sub to her and if you don't have five dollars then you're not working hard enough or you know, you shouldn't be on Twitch. Like, you shouldn't be able to pay I, for internet then. <laughs> I, I, w- I would have been. I would have been on there, but like, I have five dollars. But you know. Oh yeah. Nope. Well, and then there was a whole bunch of parodies, this, which were amazing. They were other streamers. There was uh, this British gal who went on. Was pretty much just like, you're a piece of shit. If you don't have five dollars, what you need to do is, if you're eating, you need to stop eating. Whatever you would, whatever you would spend on food, meals per day, if you stopped eating, you could sub to me as many times as you possibly could. <laughs> do you have five dollars? The correct answer is no, because you should have given it to me. I have five dollars. <laughs> there was a whole bunch of funny like parody. I like that one. That was a really funny one. Yeah, do you have $5? The answer should be no, because you should have given me your $5. <laughs> I, I would have been like, I'd rather spend $5 on porn. I can get that for free. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I'm surprised her chat didn't like roast the shit out of her. But that's been making the rounds, and it's, it was super fucking funny. <laughs> this person is completely out of touch <laughs> with completely. everyone. Yeah. Has no idea how the world functions or how a job works or how how a life works. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, if you're demanding money for people, you have no idea how life works. Yeah, and then assuming that if you're watching Twitch and hands up to her, you either a don't have money or b you should be there if you don't have money. <laughs> it's like, well, there's plenty of hardworking people that use Twitch as escapism. <laughs> just in the same way that people play games as escapism. So maybe they just want to sit down and chat with somebody and be social or watch somebody else play a game. It's a free service. <laughs> Not required to sub to you. Right. Yeah, just completely oblivious. Just living in her own padded uh, echo chamber. Well, you know, she's uh she's not gonna get any money from me, that's for sure. No, I did, whoever posted the clip to made sure not to post her name or like give her any kind of recognition, which I kind of appreciated. 
Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. No, because even negative press can be good press, so that person could have inadvertently driven a ton of people away that were just curious at the craziness that everyone saw in that clip. God, I just can't can't believe can't believe people. I, I really I, just can't believe people. I mean, seriously, it's like, hey, give me money. It's like, why? Because you have it. Yeah. I'm not doing anything to merit your money, by the way. I'm not really creating content. I'm just sitting here with pillows screaming at you. <laughs> uh, okay. I just, I just think of Pat Oswald when he's talking about uh, when he's talking about uh, um, a, com- a parent a comedian parent being worse than a stripper parent. It's like a stripper goes on stripper goes on stage and uh, you know shows her shows you her her tits and your pussy and you give her money as well. You should. That is a warm <laughs> neighborly thing to do. <laughs> I like how you have that like verbatim because that's exactly what he says. <laughs> yes, that's that's not me. That's that's all Pat Oswalt. Everything. This whole podcast, it's been Pat Oswald. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to. Yeah, to I thought that would be a good, good uh, anecdote to stop at. Okay, well, my name's Anthony Schultz. I'm Juicy John, <laughs> and this has been another episode of FGG. Uh, we post monthly. Uh, it's the last Monday of every month. So if you're listening to this on April 27th, that's the day it releases. Uh, we have three other episodes out that you can find on YouTube and CastBox. First couple kind of cover all things pop culture. It's all over the place. Some politics even, actually. And then the last episode, episode four, I soloed and I just talked about yeast. If you ever so clearly the one you want to skip. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's a short <laughs> one, too. It's only an hour and a half. Really get much bang buck, and it's free. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So stay tuned if you like the podcast for next month, which should be releasing. Got my calendar here. Gotta find it. Uh, May twenty fifth. So we'll have another one for you. I don't know if we'll be talking about Fire Emblem or something else. Depends on what we decide. Yeah, we should any- Fire Emblem again. We should. I think we should do the Fire Emblem episode, to be honest. And I need to play more Three Houses. I like this idea. Cool. Let's do it then. So, next month episode will be Fire Emblem's pick. So, I have John kind of run points on that one, because he knows a lot more about Fire Emblem than I do. But I will have some things to say about Three Houses. He was gracious enough to give me a copy for my birthday. Okay. Well, that's a wrap. Have a good night, guys. See ya.